Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Praise God. I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, if you would, please. Numbers, Old Testament, chapter 20. It's Healing Sunday. And I want you to know that God loves you. The Father cares about you. He is concerned about every aspect of your life, your spiritual condition, your emotional condition, and your physical condition, as well as anything that has to do with your life. Anything at all, whatever touches your life, He is concerned about. And He wants to draw an eye into you. And He wants to manifest Himself to you. He wants to show His love to you. He wants to reveal His healing power to you. He wants to show you that He is more than enough to meet whatever need you might have. As a matter of fact, He has already done that. In the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, we just need to find out about it and apply it to our lives. Now, we're talking about the subject of healing and health, and when we talk about that, we're not just talking about physically. He also provides for us emotionally, and there is also the healing of our brokenheartedness and wounds that we might encounter in life through either wrong relationships or hurt relationships or abuses that have taken place. I want you to know the world has nothing on God, that God has a supply of whatever we need to be helped in every area of our lives and every department of our being, spirit, soul, and body. Now, healing is a work of faith with power. And we need to explore that further. We need to understand how to develop a strong faith in God with regard to healing and how we develop strong faith by studying the Word of God, meditating the Word of God, confessing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God. And then we have to learn about the healing power of God. We call that the healing anointing. It's the power of God and its operation in our lives. We must have an accurate understanding of how the power of God works within our lives. We need to know certain principles. For example, healing is not always instant. But that doesn't mean it hasn't been applied or administered to a person's life. The healing power of God can be resident inside a human body and the person not keep it active or keep it alive. Well, if it's not keeping, if it's not being kept rather active or alive or operative, then what's going to happen? The person's not going to benefit from it. It'll be there, but they won't get the help that they need. So we need to learn to, by faith, cooperate with the power of God that's been administered to our lives and then through faith keep that power switch turned on and allow the power of God to continue its working until the healing process is consummated. These are important truths. I realize that the best case scenario would be that all we've got to do is say, heal me, Lord, and instantly you're healed. That would be marvelous. That would be wonderful. And every one of us would take advantage of it, I am sure. But that's not the way it is. It doesn't always happen that way. It does happen sometimes that way. But we have to explore the whole counsel of God when it comes to understanding the process of healing and God's healing power. And we want to do that. 
Now, I want to help us become more persuaded that the Father has provided healing for us and He wants to heal us. And He'll go to any length or any means in order to let us know that. To persuade our hearts fully that He wants us well and He wants us whole. In second, I'm sorry, in Numbers chapter 20, and we can actually begin reading it verse 1 and you can read through the, through the whole thing. I'm sorry, I said Numbers, didn't I? Well, you know, I didn't mean numbers. But that's okay. I'm going to use numbers chapter 20 later. But look at 2 Kings chapter 20 first. They're both chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. And in 2 Kings chapter 20, we have a revelation of how God will go to any length to show a person that He wants to help us or He wants to heal us and He wants to make us whole. Now, in this passage of Scripture, beginning at verse 1 and ending, I believe, at verse 11, we discover that Hezekiah the king was going to die. A death sentence was pronounced upon his life. Let's begin reading. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. That's pretty clear, wouldn't you say? I'm reading from the NIV version. That's very clear. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came unto him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. That kind of disposes the theory that, well, you're going to die at a certain time. Doesn't it? It kind of destroys that theory. If, if someone can have 15 more years added to his life, then apparently, even though he was going to die at that time, that wasn't the right time for him to die. We could say that was a premature time for him to die. And having the 15 years added to his life was dependent upon him more than on God, wasn't it? He's the one that turned his face to the wall. He's the one that cried out to God in faith. And as he did, of course, God heard him and then this is what took place. And so he's adding 15 more years to his life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria... I will defend the city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil, and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, What will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Now, others had already died from this particular plague. Just to remind you of that. Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what He has promised. 
Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or 10 degrees? Or shall it go back 10 steps or 10 degrees? It is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. That was the first original sundial. And what he was saying was, it's not too difficult for it to go ahead. But for it to go backward means the whole universe is going to have to stop and everything be in reverse. And by 10 degrees, the shadow will go back. Think about that. Think about to what length God would go to show an individual that I love you I care about you, and I want you to be fully persuaded that I am your healer. What a profound manifestation of the power of God. Well, He brought the universe into being. He can certainly make it go back, right? But I want you to really follow me here. Think that clearly through. There it is. He's watching, and the shadow, which should never go back, goes back 10 degrees and he watches it. Now, all of a sudden, as a result of that incident, he is fully persuaded. That is what faith is all about. He is fully persuaded that what God said He would do for him, He will indeed perform. You see how we have to be convinced Human nature has got to be satisfied. Human reasoning has got to be satisfied. We have doubt constantly warring against our senses. Our human reasoning is always trying to interfere with the Word of God and God's power and God's ability. An incident like this made Hezekiah fully aware that God meant business and he could be fully trusted. And Hezekiah was fully, totally, completely persuaded because of what he saw take place. Now, you might be out there saying this evening, wouldn't that be wonderful if that could happen to me? Now, you can just pull your little thing out and make your, thing go, your, your watch go back a little bit. and That wouldn't be too big of a miracle, would it? I'll be frank about it. We, we have something a whole lot better than what Hezekiah had. We've got something that should persuade us a whole lot better than what Hezekiah had. To persuade us that he can be trusted. To develop within us the kind of faith that we should have. He didn't cause the, the shadow on the sundown to go back ten degrees. He sent his only begotten son. who died, who bore our sickness, who carried our pain. And you talk about a sign that should fully persuade the human heart. God swore by an oath to offer His Son. God offered His Son. God cannot lie. 
His Son has died. He gave His life. He bore our sickness. He carried our pain. That produces faith. That is how much He wants us well. That is how much He wants us whole. But you see, beloved, we need to look into it. And we need to understand it. And we need to be fully persuaded by it. That is what faith is all about. In the book of Romans chapter 4, you can just write it down, verses 17 through 21, we have it said of, of Abraham that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God said he was able also to perform. Hezekiah was now fully persuaded because of what he saw God do on his behalf. Now he knows he'll perform it. Abraham was persuaded because he knew that God said it and God has the ability to do it and that God was going to do it because God cannot lie. And that's how he was fully persuaded. You and I are fully persuaded that God wants us well, He wants us whole, and He wants us healed because His Son died and bore the sickness and carried the pain that was ours. And that we should be fully persuaded by. If not, then we need to continue to look at it until our hearts are fully persuaded that if He gave me Jesus, He will not withhold any blessing from my life. The human mind has got to be satisfied. Human reasoning has got to be satisfied. If we allow ourselves to be consumed with all the sickness and the disease that is in the world, as we allow ourselves just to view others that maybe haven't received healing from the Lord even though maybe they seemingly were trying to reach out for it, that will affect our faith in a negative way. Our faith has got to be developed upon a sure, solid foundation, and that sure foundation is the rock of ages. He gave His life for us. He has arisen. There is healing in His wings. He bore our sickness. He carried our pains. By His stripes we were healed in the mind of God. And we need to be fully persuaded because of the sacrifice of His Son that healing belongs to us. Now go to Numbers chapter 20, if you would, please. Because here is another truth that we need to understand, a principle that we need to apply to our lives so that we don't short-circuit the power of God. Sometimes I think people think, well, you're becoming too technical with sharing principles and guidelines and rules. But, beloved, God demands obedience from His children. God expects us to follow the rules or the guidelines that He sets forth and establishes in Scripture. Every single one of us who is born again is born again because we acted on the principle of God's Word. Romans 10:13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's your sure foundation. That is your heart being persuaded that if God said that in Romans 10, 13, and you acted upon that, then you indeed are saved no matter what, right? Okay. In Numbers chapter 20, we have the story of Moses. And look at uh, verse 8. We'll start there first. Moses was told by the Lord to do something. Verse 8. Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock 
for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. Or I give them. Now, what did he mean by that? He said, I instructed you to speak to the rock. I did not instruct you to strike that rock twice. True. The first time he was instructed to strike the rock once. But the second time he was instructed to speak to the rock. Now, the rock is symbolic of Christ. It is a type of the rock of ages. The striking of the rock the first time is a type of Christ, the rock, being crucified once and for all, for all humanity. And because of the striking of the rock the first time, and because of the crucifixion of the Lord the first time, all the benefits ever needed to help God's people were already provided. There's no need to strike the rock again. There's no need for Christ to die again, is what he's saying. You can have the provision, but the provision does not come by Christ dying again. It comes by speaking. Ask, ask, and you shall receive. Ask, and you shall receive. Speak the Word. See, we don't have to crucify Him again. And so Moses was disobedient. Moses did not follow the simplest instruction. And as a result, he was denied leading God's people into the promised land or the fullness of their blessings. Now, beloved, sometimes if we really look at, look at that clearly, even today, people are looking for another sign. People want another sign. I, I really don't know what more they could be looking for. The rock has been struck. Our Savior's been crucified. There is nothing more to be done. The greatest sign was that he, crucified, he was crucified and became the curse for all of us. And that by His stripes, we were healed. And now what God wants us to do is just to believe it and just confess it. Say it. And water will come forth. That which is necessary to sustain our lives will come forth. The blessings of God will come forth if we'll just speak and confess the Word of God. And that's what God wants us to do. But the point here is, we need to follow instructions and do what God tells us to do in order to get the results He wants us to have. Amen? Well, what are those instructions? For an example, look at Proverbs chapter 4 real quick. And in these particular passages of Scripture, these verses, we have instruction given to us of the Lord that will enable us to experience life to the full and health or wholeness. Verse 20, Proverbs 4, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to a man's 
whole body. You notice the instructions? Saturate yourself in the Word. Saturate yourself in the Word. Discover every scripture pertaining to healing and saturate yourself in the Word. Take those verses, meditate upon them, give attention to them, flood your soul with them, fill your heart with them, fill your mouth with them, pour over them, and even though others might be saying other things, even though reports might come back that are not in agreement with the Word of God, He is saying, keep your focus, keep your attention, attend to My words, give attention to what I have to say, incline your ear to My sayings, don't allow them to depart from your eyes, keep your focus, maintain your sight, behold and look and see that the Word of the Lord is true. In other words, esteem it above whatever else you see, whatever else you hear. Esteem the Word of God higher than your circumstances, higher than the medical reports, higher than what the world has to say. You know, there are those that tell you that if you have an addiction, that you can never be really totally set free. For example, like in alcohol, if you have a, a, an addiction to alcohol, you're titled an alcoholic, that you can never, ever, ever, ever not be an alcoholic. You're an alcoholic forever. I disagree with that. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. People need to know that's not true. I'm telling you that there is a God that raised up Jesus from the dead. And if you allow Him to explode inside your heart, He'll recreate your spirit. He'll give you a brand new life. He'll get a hold of your emotions and your brain. He'll, he'll enlighten your brain cells. He'll make you a brand new person. He will liberate you from that power. The works of darkness will be dispelled and you will no longer be an alcoholic. You'll be a child of the King, an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. He will liberate you from the source of that power and no longer will you be titled an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever. He'll make you somebody new. I believe that. But here are the instructions. Attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't allow them to escape your heart. Enshrine them in the innermost part of your being. Embrace them in your spirit man. Yes, it involves saturation in the Word of God. And sometimes we don't follow the principles or the guidelines or the instructions that God gives us, but yet we want the same result. God expects us to follow His instructions, to take them to heart and do what He said to do. And the end result will be exactly what He says. And if you'll enshrine them in your heart, embrace them in your spirit, they will be life. Oh, don't let that word slip by. What is greater than health is life. What is greater than healing is life. They will be life to you, to those that find them. Life as God has it. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. That word life in there, there in the Greek is zoe life. It is life as God has it. He came to give us His life. He took our condition so that we can have His condition. Aren't you glad? He took our strength so that we can have His strength. He took our ability so we can have His ability. He became what we were so we might become what He is. And so therefore, He says, I am giving you of my life, life to those that find them, and then health 
to their whole being, health to their whole body. One translation says a medicine or a medication to all their flesh. This is the prescription that God has given us if we want to experience those two things, life and health. Now, beloved, there is something that I want to say to you that goes beyond the cross. I want us to lift our eyes and I want us to see beyond the work of Christ on the cross to something the work of the cross has made available to all of us. See, I realize we need to really look to the cross and what Jesus did when He died on the cross and that by His stripes we were healed. But listen, beyond the cross, we have the resurrection. And too often the church of today has majored at the cross and kind of left aside the resurrection and the power it offers humanity. The resurrection life and the resurrection power of God is a message that really enables us to find the fountain of the deepest revelation that Christ offers the church. It's the very source of what we're looking for. When Jesus was raised up from the dead, yes, He died for our sins, yes, He died for our sicknesses, but He was raised up from the dead. He was given life, resurrection life, and He has given that same life to every one of His followers. And every believer has within Him the very life of God that destroys the work of the enemy. At the cross, because of His death, sin was destroyed. But He rose again from the dead and His life supplies the source of life that we need. As a result of His resurrection, we have the right to be consumed by His life. That's why the Apostle Paul said that it's my desire that my natural life be swallowed up by the life of Christ. Resurrection life. Resurrection power. Which provides what? Health and healing and wholeness to the physical body. You see, beloved, when people preach along this line, sometimes some people get nervous. How can you possibly say that we have that kind of life? Well, 2 Peter 1.4 says that we are partakers of the divine nature. We have never majored in the life of God that's been imparted to us in our inward man. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are the body of Christ but we house the life of Christ. We have the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead indwelling us. We have the character of Christ on the inside of us. But most importantly, we have the divine nature. We have all been made partakers of the divine nature of the life of God that is on the inside of us. And as a result of that life, we have a supply of His health. We are supplied with everything we need to attain mental health, and we have the power that we need to obtain physical health. And it's all wrapped up in the resurrection life that is in us. Now, I want, I want to show that to you in Ephesians chapter 2, if you would, please. We have the life of God on the inside of us. The cross was where death destroyed sin and disease. 
But the resurrection is the results of the destruction of, of sin and disease. The resurrection provides for us life as God has it. And the life of God, the ability of God that we have on the inside of us is our supply. It's our resource for all that we need to have a successful life. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, and we are told in this particular passage of Scripture, I'm going to start reading, let's see, at verse 4. Because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When Christ was raised up, we were raised up with Him. That means in the resurrection, a mighty miracle took place. Every individual was vindicated, liberated from the effects of spiritual death through the resurrection of Christ. And every person who has ever said yes to Christ has been made a partaker of the divine nature of God and has resurrection life on the inside of Him. In the book of Philippians, you're close by. In chapter 3, the Apostle Paul recognized that great truth because Jesus revealed it to him. And it was his yearning desire and longing desire to experience in his life the fullness of that resurrection life. Beloved, never be satisfied. Never be happy with where you're at in God. I want you to know your flesh can, can continue to be swallowed up of the Zoe life of God every day that you live upon this earth. And it should be our longing desire to pray as the Apostle Paul said and prayed for himself. I want my physical body to be swallowed up of the manifestation of the presence of the living God that I know is on the inside of me, life in Christ Jesus, that I want to swallow me up, that I want to take me over, that I want to consume my life until I'm swallowed up of the very life and the ability of Christ Himself. In 2 Peter, I want you to look at that verse. I, I quoted it, but I want you to see it. In 2 Peter, in chapter 1, Paul says, I haven't attained to this yet, but I'm pursuing it. I want to be so consumed by God. I want to be so full of God that the very life of God just pours out of my being. And everywhere I go, that life of God can be sensed and it can be felt by those around me. In 2 Peter chapter 1, In verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Did you hear that? His divine power has given us, not will give us, has given us, everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world caused by evil desires. We participate in the divine nature. Another translation says we are partakers of the divine nature. Beloved, health is only the result of life. 
Life produces health. Death produces sickness and disease. Well, Jesus bore our sin. He carried our pain. He, he took our death. He abolished death. And He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And the knowledge He's talking about is the fact that you're not just a sinner saved by grace. You have been recreated by the power of God. You've got the life of God on the inside of you. The divine nature of, of God, the Zoe life of God is on the inside of you. And by our cooperating with God, by confessing it and saying it and agreeing with it, the rock has been struck. It was struck once. It's been crucified. He has died for us. But He's alive forevermore and He does not have to be struck down again for us to enjoy the benefits of His resurrection. Every one of us can now experience eternal life. We can experience the renewing of the mind. We can experience the healing of our bodies and go one step further. We can walk in health. All these are the provisions of the cross and the resurrection life of Christ. But you see, beloved, until we get beyond the cross and begin to see that the fullness of the gospel message is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We've got His life inside of us. And as a result of the presence of God and His divine life, Health is ours. Healing is ours. Mental wholeness is ours. Now, we're going to be challenged. Every one of us. Every single one of us will be challenged. Why? Because human reasoning cannot comprehend those truths. The natural mind has a difficult time understanding what's on the inside in the spirit of a man. Beloved, that's why God gave us His Word. That's why God gave us His Word. He gave us His Word so that we can understand the deposits that He made inside every single one of us. Because you see, beloved, He sees the end already. And He sees every one of us in Christ. He sees every one of us completely healed and completely whole. He sees every one of us forgiven. He sees every one of us delivered. See, if you can just picture it, he sees the end result. He sees us with Him in glory. He sees us reigning with Him throughout the eternal ages. He sees all that. The reason why we have to walk by faith is because we don't see all that through our natural eyes. But I'll tell you what, if God would remove the veil of our flesh and you saw what you look like in a mirror without your flesh hiding the glory that's in you, you'd be brighter than the noonday sun. You'd be shining like the stars of heaven. The Bible says that's the resurrection that we're going to attain to. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you don't mind. Life manifests itself in health. The greater manifestation of the life of God we have in us, then the greater working of, of the health of God we have in us. So if we want healthy bodies, then we've got to unleash a greater portion or measure of the life of God that's already on the inside of us. How? By following the instructions. Listen to what He's saying to us. Keep it before your ears and mind. Enshrine those words inside your heart. Confess them. They'll become life to you and health to all your flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we're going to read verse 6. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What treasure do we have? Partakers of the divine nature. The Zoe life of God is on the inside of us. We are partakers of that glory and that light and that power and that ability of God on the inside of us. We have that right now inside of us in the body is called jars of clay. Made from the dust of the earth. Formed by the hand of God. These are jars of clay. See, we are so carnal minded. We are so fleshly minded. When we look in that mirror, all we see is our jar of clay. But I'm telling you, God gave us His Word so we can have a deeper vision than that. He is saying, when you were born again, you were raised out of death. And there is no longer death in you, but there is life in you. And the only way that God could do it would be cause us to be partakers of His life because our life was gone. But thank God He gave us His life. And because we have His life, His Zoe life on the inside of us, therefore, our bodies can experience healing and our bodies can experience health. But we've got to cooperate with Him. We have got to confess the rock has given its life. And on the inside of us, we have the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. He's the health of my countenance. He is my healer. He is my deliverer from whatever. And when those outside thoughts come against our minds, telling us we might be oppressed, our countenance has fallen, or we're of a sad countenance, or we're depressed, and that sort of thing. You see, those are distractions that come our way by the enemy to get us distracted from the life of God that's on the inside of us, to get us to stop saying who we are on the inside, what we have on the inside. That's why we make our confession every time we study the Bible. I am what the Word says I am. My son, attend to my Word. What am I? I am what God says I am. You know why? I don't know any better. I don't know any better. Do you know what you look like on the inside? Absolutely not. I have a revelation of it in the Word. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. And that preparation began on the inside of us when He recreated our spirits and gave us a brand new life. We have the life of Christ. We have the hope of glory. We have uh, uh, the partaking of His divine nature. We have His divine ability. Did I just say one more scripture? Would you give me one more? Thank you. You're in Corinthians. Go to Colossians. See, all this is what is necessary to understand in order to have the strongest foundation that we can have for the healing of our bodies and to walk in divine health. Chapter 2, Colossians. And we want to look at verse 9. And it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Anybody agree with that? Look at the next verse. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head 
Other translation says, and you too have this same fullness in you. In Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you have this fullness in you in the person of Christ. And the fullness that you have on the inside of you gives you, listen, power over every dominion or authority that we have to deal with in this life. So in Christ, who has in Him the fullness of deity, and you too have in Christ this same fullness in you. Beloved, we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. We are partakers of that divine life and nature. As a result of that, we have authority in all three worlds. We have His countenance and His health and His ability And as far as we should be concerned, there isn't an outside force that has any authority or power to dominate either our bodies or our souls. If we'll just acknowledge that truth. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Would you say that with me? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Say it again. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Who is he that is in you? Who is he that is in you? You have the life of God in you. You have the ability of God in you. You're a partaker of the divine nature. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the fountain of life your life supply, your source of health, the energy that you need, the strength that you need. Someone's out there saying, I don't know that I can do that. Your supply is already in you. All you've got to do is say it. All you've got to do is confess it. All you've got to do is act as though it's true. You don't have to strike the rock anymore. All you've got to do is say it. Let's all stand together and say it. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.